on one station. This is WNJH HD1 Hamilton. The views and opinions expressed on this show are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers who are entirely responsible for all show content and do not reflect the opinions of WNJHradio.com. This program is not intended to diagnose any condition or promote any lifestyle. And now, WNJHradio.com presents The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo from Calvary Chapel Church in Hamilton. Nine five nine three nine. Thank you very much for helping me get a little more clarity in the voice there. Six zero nine five nine three nine six five four six zero nine five nine three nine six five four. We are going to talk this evening about that which is on everybody's mind. Now everybody is thinking about what's on my mind. I don't know. I just have finished up with Christmas and New Year's. What's on my mind? Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. It's all of those New Year's resolutions that we are making in our minds, we've written down, and we are very rapidly going to break in this coming year. But for us this evening, we're going to look at just some of them. And before we go too far, we're going to begin with a word of prayer. Father, we come to you and we thank you for all of your blessings. We recognize that you are the creator, the God uh, who wants to pour out your blessing upon your people. So, Lord, we ask for revival We ask for a spirit of humility to extend to those in this country. We ask you to bring us to a place where we recognize that you are the truth, the way, and the life. And Father, we want to reach out to you, lean on you, and fully rely on uh, the God, the creator of the universe, to bring us back to that place of peace and restoration where we might know fullness of joy. So uh, we rely on you. We give you all the praise. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, amen. It is uh, interesting that here we are having the Congress in session, and I know that many of you pay attention and know of such things that are going on, but when our Congress persons, I have to be careful because you can't just say congressmen and women anymore. Now we have to be more gender careful when we talk about Congress persons. And frankly, it makes no difference to me if that's what they want to be called congresspersons any more than calling an actress an actor now calling all of them actors is a problem it's not a problem it doesn't make any difference to me if that's your job title that's your job title but we have something sacred and that is the ability to commune and communicate with god through prayer and that sacred privilege that we have, that responsibility that we have, that privilege comes with that which are the necessary instructions. Jesus' own disciples recognized that Jesus' prayer life was something to be envied. So they asked, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And he then said, when you pray, pray this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus' words, not mine. When any person feels they have the freedom the hubris, the self-grandizement 
to take and make a mockery of that which is prayer, I'm telling you that person stands in sharp contrast to Jesus Christ. And if they want to do that, they do it to their own peril. And if they want to do that because they want to make a statement, then let the peril fall on their head. But if that person is a pastor or a minister, my goodness, they have not read James as thoroughly as I believe they should, because the book of James says that pastors are going to give an account of every word that comes out. We're going to give an account for the people that we minister to, that we talk to, that we reach. We're going to give an account for those flippant comments that we make and those sentences that seemingly are innocent or we think are funny or humorous, and yet they cause pain or suffering or may even cause someone to stumble. So that when I hear a man who gets the privilege to open a House of Congress, to open the session, excuse me, session of Congress, and take that privilege, and then at the end of prayer, then pray to some gender-neutral God creator of the universe of some type, and then end with the word, amen, and a woman. That man is offensive to me. I don't care who he is. I don't care what side of the aisle he sits on. Because he stood up and said, I choose to represent my Lord Jesus Christ. And I can't hear my Lord Jesus Christ finding amusement in that. I can't hear my Lord Jesus Christ finding that to be something that is a benefit to anyone in deference to. So I'm starting out the night with a heavy opinion. You heard the disclaimer. The views expressed on this are not necessarily the views of the radio program, the producer, the director, or the electrician that hooked up the power to this station. The views are entirely mine. It is my personal opinion that that flippancy, that taking that, uh, I wouldn't call it blasphemy because it doesn't rise to the level of blasphemy. It rises to the level of hubris, which is probably more dangerous. Blasphemy, when you you blaspheme God, there is clear and convincing truth in God's word against it. But when you say something that is not true, but it seems to tickle the ears of people, oh my goodness. What's the response? What's the backlash? The backlash is now everybody who comes to his defense says he didn't mean anything by it. And now everybody's a Hebrew scholar. Everybody wants to come out and say, oh, amen is a gender neutral word. And everybody's a biblical scholar. Nobody wants to know the Bible until all of a sudden somebody misspeaks. No, people hold dear to those that are their family traditions. People hold dear to those that are their core values. And when a man or woman stands up and would take those core values and say, they mean nothing to me, that person answers for it. We'll answer for it before God, I believe. We'll answer for it in the court of public opinion for sure. But we'll answer for it when they stand before God and they have taken that which is the mantle of pastor and they have cheapened it and treated it so lightly as that. So to their peril, to their shame, and that's my two cents worth before we even get into New Year's resolutions. This is what this country has now devolved into. We're a 
group of people that have now come together who said, let's make the Bible and the Word of God fit into my narrative. Let's create Jesus into our image. Let's make God into our image. Let's just do as we please, and let's, let's make God fit my mold. God has to be happy with what it is that I'm doing because I'm enjoying it. I don't care if there's a biblical mandate for it or against it. It's not what I want to do. Therefore, I'm going to do it, and God's going to have to be okay with it. Maybe I grew up different. Maybe I grew up... Uh, maybe I'm too old anymore. Maybe I just have too many traditional values that I hold dear. Maybe I think that things like going to church on Sunday morning are important because God says so, that should be sufficient. Maybe I think things like giving of the first fruits because I want to be blessed by God, I want to be obedient to God. Maybe I think that that should be clearly taught. Maybe I think that it should be respectful when I come into the house of God. Maybe I think that there should be ways that you treat. Maybe I should never talk to somebody's mother the way that people feel the freedom to talk to some people's parents. Maybe I shouldn't address my father the way that I hear kids talking to their fathers. Maybe I'm, but maybe I'm just old-fashioned, but I can tell you that I like the traditions that I grew up with. I like the fact that in my home when I grew up, if I would dare say anything negative about my Lord Jesus, if I would ever take his name in vain, if I would dare to say and use his name flippantly, like, I, I, it's hard for me to even say it because I'm just waiting for my grandmother to come and drag me by the ear and wash my mouth out with soap, that it didn't matter who was in earshot, they were going to come and they were going to address it. You just did not use Jesus' name flippantly in your conversation. You didn't curse in front of mom. You just, there are different things. You know, I mean, look, you guys, you guys are smart. You don't come into your house and take your shoes off and put them on the kitchen counter, do you? Uh, if you do, uh, you're different than me. Because I grew up in a house where you kept your shoes off the table. You know, you never put your shoes on the table. But I grew up polishing my shoes. My father, since I was a little kid, taught me how to polish shoes. I enjoy polishing shoes. It's almost therapeutic. And I keep my shoes polished. So that when I polish my shoes, and I, I know how to polish my shoes, but I don't do it on the kitchen table because you don't put your shoes on the table. So you put your shoes somewhere else. You do it at almost anywhere else you can do it. I have a shoe shine box with a kit and a, a little foot made thing on there so I can put my shoe in it. I take a shoe tree and I slide it inside my shoe. Then I put it on there and I take my polish and I polish them up. And up until just recently, just for those who are, I'm going to just sidetrack here for a little bit. Just until recently, uh, I used Kiwi for everything just because Kiwi was what I grew up on. But my, uh, my wife got me some Safira products and man, these conditioners for leather, they're really good stuff, by the way, for you that uh, keep track of such things. But if you care about your shoes, you know, my father said, if you care about your shoes, you care about your appearance. People know that you care about uh, important things in life. Go ahead, Rick. So when uh, the end of March into April, when I go back to umpiring, I can have you polish my uh, shoes all the time because... You know, I will help you polish them, and I will teach you how to polish Oh, oh I know how to polish. I'm just trying to get out of doing it because our boss has a very strict rule about that. Does he? Oh, you yes. like your shoes polished? Yes. Or Who's your boss? 
Chili. Well, his name's Bill Warren, but he goes by Chili. Ah. But yeah, you cannot walk on the on the softball field or the baseball field with dirty plate shoes. They must be spit, shine, and polished. And they, there's no reason not to, buddy. Oh no, <laughs> I mean, no, I not? totally agree. But I was just looking to get out of it. I thought maybe you would be nice, but I mean, even years ago we played sports. I mean, you your uniform had to be clean. Yes. And your cleats had to be clean. They didn't necessarily have to be polished. Sometimes, you know, depending on the color of your uniform, most of our cleats were black. Some of them were later years were white. But it was hard to keep them clean. But you could not have them all crusty. Yeah, you had yeah. to keep them clean. That's true. Your uniform had everything. Yeah. But that was the way. But that was the way we were all brought right. up too. But going back to what you said earlier, yes, I guess we are old fashioned. Because everything you said is no different than it was in my household. And I was the only child, so I couldn't blame nobody for what I did. But, yeah, shoes did not belong on the kitchen counter. Nope. Your butt didn't belong on the kitchen counter because, you know, a lot of people used to jump on the kitchen counter. And your shoes, no matter how clean you may think they were, they were never allowed on the sofa. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh, so you you're hung over. You know your why feet. Would you, why would you put your shoes up yeah. on the sofa? If you guys do that in your homes, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm not bashing you for what you do. I'm just yeah. telling you that I grew up different. Yeah, so. and I did too. I mean, you had to. You if you left them on, you had to hang over, as my mother used to say. You know, your feet hang over. I mean, me living in the house, I knew not to do that, so I never had my shoes on. But you know, that's just the way it was, and you always respected the person's home that you were going to that it was their rules like my best friend in michigan he has a rule he has a mudroom that's where you leave your shoes and he doesn't care who you are you know if you need slippers he'll give you a pair of slippers to walk through the house but do not walk past the mudroom with your shoes on there you go you know know, if that's why not be respectful to oh hey i I, here we are but we're not in that day anymore no we're We're in a day where if I were to come into your home, I would try to be observant. Mm-hmm. I would try to pay attention, and I would say, what is it that is the norm? First thing I would do is I would look and I would wonder, is, are people wearing shoes when I walk into the house? Because if everybody took their shoes off by the front door, mm-hmm. I would take my shoes off from, right. by the front door. Right. If people didn't take their shoes off, I don't, I'm not a take-my-shoe-off kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I will take them off if that's the norm, and it's, but um, that's not my comfort zone. Right. I just walk into your house and take my shoes off. Right. So when I walk into my house, I take my shoes off. My wife has a uh, one of those um, mud trays mm-hmm. by the back door, right. and you take your shoes off and you stick yeah. them in the mud tray, right. especially in the wintertime, for yes. crying out loud. You yes. don't want to track all the salt and no, stuff. No, the, the salt the and the mud and the snow. But but unfortunately, you're right. And, and not to go back to where you started tonight, but I'm going to say not just because I'm a Christian, just in general, I'm offended by the way they use that word. In the oh en- in the end, I mean, I've been to Protestant weddings and funerals, and Methodist fu- weddings and funerals, and Baptist. Amen is amen. Yep. I-, I mean, to use it the way they did that to me is just totally, totally uncalled for. But then again, like you said earlier, we're old fashioned, and well, I, you know, and I'm a Protestant, so I, I'm not a Catholic. I grew up with a Catholic father and a uh, Baptist mother. I'm a pastor, but I'm a non-denominational pastor. But I'm Protestant. I'm not affiliated with the Catholic Church. However, I have many friends that are Catholic, go to the Catholic Church for whatever event. Right. 
frequently and do not ever want to be disrespectful, rude, or have the opinion of, I'm going to show you that I'm right and you're just mm-hmm. going to have to deal with it. Right. That is not respectful. Right. You simply demonstrate the respect. You don't right. want to stand out and make a statement everywhere you go. No. If I were invited to a synagogue, I would not stand out and make a statement wherever I went. If mm. I you know, were going to a, a church where perhaps they were more demonstrative in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I would not want to make a spectacle of myself by standing out. I would simply be respectful in whatever way I could be respectful. Why would I not? It's like, yeah... I just can't understand. But we don't live in that society anymore. No, we don't. Now society says, I have the right to come into your house and make a statement, stand up publicly, and tell you why I believe you're wrong, and you have an absolute responsibility to hear it. People believe they have the right to come into churches in America, stand up, interrupt services, and point out the fallacy and inaccuracies and correct the pastor who is speaking from the pulpit. And I can tell you that person is the most immature, self-grandizing, pompous windbag that I can think of. It is the person who is the least effective, Mm -hmm. and all he feels is that his mission in life is to point out the flaws in other people and does and promotes and does no good on his own. And we have generated perhaps even a new generation of people who find value in just finding faults in other people. And there's no value in fault finding. There's no value in somebody sitting home criticizing what it is that you say on your radio program and them saying, ah, used used where was we at instead of where Mm -hmm. were we. Mm -hmm. That's a wrong indicative, and you ended with a preposition, and you should never do that. You had a dangling participle. Ha, 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 I've corrected you in your grammar, and you use grammar for a little. That benefits no one. Yes, you're absolutely right. But they then, because they have such an empty, and I'm going to say it publicly, perhaps they have such an empty, shallow useless life where they are no value to any other human, they have to gain some sense of value or self-importance by just pointing out the bad in others. Anyone who scrolls through YouTube and says, this person is bad, let me show you where their flaw is, that person does not gain my respect. I agree with you. So I do not want to fund their page. I do not want to support their advertisers. I simply, you know, if if I see... I mean, let's let's get realistic here. Let's bring it right down. I I'm a man, and at times in our lives, when you come out of the men's room after you've washed your hands, mm-hmm. maybe on the rare occasion you may not have pulled your zipper all the way up. Mm-hmm. I have never in my life, ever, and I'm 59 years old. I have never in my life ever approached another man quietly privately tapped him on the shoulder and said to a perfect stranger, excuse me, sir, your zipper is down. I have not one time ever heard anything other than thank you. And then he turns around quietly and discreetly and corrects the situation Mm -hmm. because it is just an oversight. Yes. Does he need me taking a YouTube video of men who walk out of the bathroom? How does that help him in any way? It doesn't help society doesn't it gains absolutely i mean it takes and degrades our society terribly and And here we are in a culture that applauds mm -hmm. that 
And it goes back to what you and I talked about uh, many moons ago about the gentleman that decided to videotape me as I was walking through Wawa and the store manager was highly upset over it. And took Good for the you store know, manager. And took action and next thing I know the state troopers are there taking their action. I mean, but that's the world we live in. I mean, everybody wants to find something funny into somebody else. And my mother always used to say, look in the mirror first. Uh, look, let's yeah. bring it right here. You've got a radio station and you've got three flags hanging in your window. Right. I'll bet there are people that have said something to you about the flags in your window. Uh, right. Yeah. But but it is what it is. And I'm not taking them down because... But why, since all you have in your window are respectful flags, the yes. American flag with the blue line, right. that people, because they're, they want to jump on the bandwagon of anti or defund mm-hmm. police, mm-hmm. that they now say, you, because you're a radio personality you have a business in town right you're now risking offending people by yes. putting that flag up there mm-hmm. i i'm my personal view is thank you very much for putting the flag up oh i appreciate you doing it i mean i'm a retired sheriff's officer so i know what it's like oh. to have people yes you do mistreat you yeah. i know what it's like to be misunderstood mm-hmm I know what it's like to make sacrifices, and there are men and women that make those sacrifices every day, and they need to be applauded and lauded and encouraged and supported. Yes, absolutely. And and I I thank my father for that because he tremendously supported the local, which is Hamilton's police department. Yeah, of course. And he, you know, I saw that, and... When I got older and took over the business, they gave me the same respect that my father got. In return, I gave them the same respect. And I was fortunate enough to be able they don't do it anymore. I was allowed to do a ride-along a few times and watch them in action. And then being a member of the fire department, there was a few times we got called as a standby for a domestic or right. or other things. And we got to watch what, you know, the abuse that they take before they finally say, no, we're taking you down. And, you know, you'll, I mean, so I got to witness it and tell people, you know what, unless you really know what's going on, you don't know what, you know, I said, I, a lot of times I wasn't allowed to say anything because we can't because we witnessed it. I right. said, but I could tell you that they had a lot of restraint before they finally said, all right, you're not listening to us, so we're going to do what we have to do. I mean, Look, I mean I've seen... I have seen the police in this town act honorably on, well, I wish it were not as many occasions as I have. Right. But they have personally responded to my home for a, uh, an intruder and a burglary. Personally come and responded in moments and have taken care of things right away quick. They have personally shown up whenever you know an ambulance is called, the police come. And things, and they do a Jeff, great job, a and they should. They should, and they are honorably acting within that which is their mandate. Uh, do they also pull people over when they're violating the law? Yes, they do. Do they pull us over I mean, um, when we don't believe we deserve it? That may or may not be the case. However... They're trying to do a tough job. They have limited resources, and kudos to them for doing such a tough job. 
I wish that we as a people would get behind them differently and support them better and not ask them to generate revenue for their job. Uh, that, I think, is something we need to address. But that's a topic for another night. What I do see is I see that they do a tough job. They do it very well, and they do it with the respect uh, of myself and most of the people that I can think of and name. Uh, we live in a town where the volunteer fire departments show up when you call, and they show up in a matter of minutes, and they come ready to help, even though they don't even know who they're going to. They just show up at the house with willing to risk their own safety to be able to do it. Uh, we live in a blessed community, and we ought to say thank you once in a while and not have to worry about what flag you're hanging up in your window because we're worried about some kind of potential misstep down the road. But I think we need to get back to those family traditions, those core values that we had years ago. I think we need to get back to those understandings. You know, uh, maybe Andy Griffith was a little bit, um, little bit dry. However, everything that was taught was a good, valuable life lesson. Friendship, bearing one another, encouraging each other, looking out for our neighbors, not trying to take the advantage for ourselves. And if you have the opportunity to help someone, help someone. And not ever feel like it's your absolute right to be able to stand up on somebody else's property and say, you have to listen to what I think because I have my First Amendment right to stand on your porch and steal your lawn ornament. No, I think that it's ridiculous. I think that much of what's been going on is ridiculous. I think that trying to tear down the monuments is ridiculous. I think that everything that is going on in this country, we need to get back to those things that are important and back to those things that are our core values and responsibilities, and that is to love our Lord God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourself. Now, I know I started saying that we were going to talk about New Year's resolutions, and one thing that I had to begin with is I have to begin with the tone of the, the sentiment of the people in this nation even right now. And right now, we've never been more divided than I've ever seen in my life. And again, I was born in the 1961, so I've seen some division in this country. And we've never been more divided than we are right now, and we have an opportunity because we have the greatest communication line. Communication lines can be open clearly. We can Facebook each other. We Twitter. We have all kinds of Instagram and instant communication. There's no reason for us to allow things to set in, to fester and to harbor those bad feelings among ourselves when we have the opportunity to just um, work it out. You know, when we work things out, then we can work through things together and we can come to that which is the, the best conclusion. And here we are, but it begins with the necessity to be able to say, if we can't even agree that prayer is something that should be respected, then we've fallen pretty far. And I think we ought to get back to that place where prayer is given the respect that it's due. That if you are, whatever your faith is, and there are Jews that go to the Wailing Wall and pray in Israel, and they need to be respected for and in their prayer life. There are those who practice all faiths and pray specific 
times of the day towards specific areas of prayer, and that prayer needs to be respected because especially in this country, the freedom to worship as we see fit needs to be the foundation of that which is uh, our core value here. I need the right to openly and freely worship my God as I see fit. And I can tell you that's coming under attack. It's coming under attack here in this country, and now it's more than coming under attack. Now it is if you do not believe as I believe, no matter what that wave of belief is, you will be canceled, shut down in some way. And that's the kind of, that, that's the kind of atmosphere that we live in. So we have an opportunity now. We have an opportunity this year. It's 2021. Because it's 2021, we can now take this opportunity and say, what are we going to do differently than we did last year? And last year, we started out the new year. I don't know if you were uh, paying attention, but we started out the new year much different. We looked forward to 2020 saying, yeah, I plan on doing this. And maybe I'm going to do that. In fact, early in 2020, it was January 2020, I was taking a trip. And I was headed down to Florida for a conference and then visiting some friends. And we spent a, a week at Disney. And then we were staying at their, uh, they rented a house for a while down in Florida. And we stayed with them for a little while. And as we stayed with them, we started talking about uh, what was coming up in the future. And we're talking about some of the decisions we were going to make and some travel plans and some uh, commitments we made for the church and missions trips and um, who was leaving to go on what missions trip where and where they were going to. Some of the missions trips were in Eastern Europe. Some were going into Italy and Portugal and then up into Spain. And all of a sudden, in two weeks from the day that I flew back from Florida, Two weeks from that day, this pandemic now caused a worldwide shutdown. And our friends who were in Florida then realized there was no benefit to them staying in Florida, not because things had shut down, but because things had, had were unable to gain access to. So they couldn't even get a roll of toilet paper. So they said, this is ridiculous. I'm not just going to hang out in Florida and suffer here and if i'm going to suffer i'm going to go back to jersey so they came back here to hamilton uh saved the money from the rental and came back here and hunkered down and i'm glad that they did because had they not who knows where they would have wound up being sequestered in a rental place or without resources or whatever it is that took place everything changed but january 2020 started out with great hope now here we are january 2021 and I want us to start out with great hope. I look forward to things coming up, coming up this year. I don't know how we're going to get a handle on this pandemic. I know that the pandemic is real. I know people are still in the hospital suffering and dying from it. Nobody is, nobody has their, well, there may be some, but I don't have my head in the sand saying it's just something that needs, we need to get past. It's some kind of a conspiracy. I have no idea that that's the case. I have family members that I've lost to this disease. I get it. But I also realize that 100 years ago with the Spanish flu, we got through it. I think that 100 years later, we should be better at getting through it. Uh, I don't know that we are, but 
we should be better than we were 100 years ago. And if we could get through it then, we can get through it now. So my prayer is that we get through it. And if you remember that, even after the Spanish flu, that as things started to come back to normal, they came back to normal in spades. We went from the late uh, teens into the roaring 20s. If you remember, things were blossoming and booming. So I'm anticipating us coming out of this and things getting radically better. Uh, I'm not a gloom and doom guy. I'm uh, looking for the bright light at the end of this tunnel kind of guy. And I have some resolutions that I've made this year, and I hope that you have made some, and maybe we'll talk about some of them when we get back. The phone number here is area code 609-593-9654. Again, 609-593-9654. If you'd like to join us and share a New Year's resolution or a prayer request, we'd be happy to take your call. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Producer. Hello, this is Pastor Vince Lombardo from Calvary Chapel, Hamilton. I'd like to invite you to join us in worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. You can also join us for live stream service on YouTube each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Each week is filled with excitement at Calvary Chapel, Hamilton. On Wednesday, we offer an adult Bible study as well as Awana for the kids and youth group for the teens. Monday evenings, we continue our series of deeper exploration of critical topics, currently the Revelation. Our passion as a church is to help others learn how to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Other specialized services and events are listed on our website at www.cchamilton.org. God bless. You're listening to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo on WNJHradio.com. All right, we are back, and I believe we have a caller. I'm not sure if we can get through the technical difficulties to get him on. Uh, what would you like to say? I'm just going to make something up if the producer can't get your call through. I just want to say that Pastor Vince is so encouraging every time I hear him on the radio. Oh, that's so nice of you. Appreciate it. Am I up? Okay. Uh, yeah, listen, um, I totally understand where you are coming from with a lot of what you, you have to say. And I pretty much agree with it. And, uh, you know, I work internal affairs, so I know not every cop is a good cop, uh, but they are at least 90% out there always trying to do the right thing and do the good thing and be of service to people. And, uh, you know, they get a really bad rap for basically doing what they're trained and hired to do. How long were you in uh, law enforcement, sir? Uh, 27 years. It would take a few months. Do you have, can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Do you have a American flag hanging out in front of your house? I do not have one hanging in front of my house. I do have one, um, uh, in the house folded properly oh good for you 
I'm just asking just because <laughs> I just wanted to know, you know, being a you know, retired police officer, if that was something that you felt strongly about. You know, it's good that... Uh, I, go ahead. I think people have the right to put a flag up, and I've seen Puerto Rican flags, I've seen Italian flags, and yet it seems to be the American flag is the only one anybody ever has a problem with. I don't know. I think and the Confederate uh, flag they have a problem with, and I think that they have a, a problem well, with. Yeah, the, that's um, the star of David. And, and is I can almost understand that. But yeah, I, I am also a firm believer that uh, what happened in the past is in the past, and good, bad, or indifferent, we still need to own up to it. We still need to recognize it, and if you forget it you're going to be back doing it again. That I agree so, with. Uh, I, I don't believe that, uh, oh, we don't like that, so we're just going to tear it down and pretend it never happened. Uh, I, I don't believe that's a, that's a good thing at all. Well, thank you very much for your service. Thank you very much for your call and for your encouragement. Yeah, it's very difficult when you have you know good people trying to do a good job, and yet you find that those are they're being attacked. Uh, I'm going to share something that is my personal view. I'm not out to try to harm this radio program nor sponsorship, but I understand that Ford Motor Company has decided that they are not going to make police vehicles any longer because they're giving in to the pressure of being associated with, um, I'll call it with oppressors and hate. That Ford Motor Company has now been, I'll use a word that is common, has been woke. So now they are not going to have anything to do with law enforcement, but they still want to make all of the other emergency vehicles. So you'll start to see all the commercials and you'll see Ford is there for you. Ford has been there through all of the difficulties. Ford is there when to meet all of the emergencies and the challenges. And you'll see ambulances and rescue vehicles and fire trucks. But you will not see a Ford police vehicle in that caption, in that video, or on that billboard because they don't want to be associated with the police. I have a problem with that. I believe that police fire they are honorable professions, and they need to be honored. That's like saying I do not want to make a military vehicle because of what happened in a bad place in Abu Ghraib. I understand that that was a bad incident that took place. I get it. But that does not mean that, that I am anti-military. I'm pro-military. I pray for those who are serving in the armed forces. Do I want that to be our nation's identity? We're the strongest military in the world. No, I don't want it to be our identity. I want our identity to be we are the best country in the world for you to come and worship freely, for you to come and be able to reach for, and this is something that comes under attack, reach for the American dream. Which is, if you work hard enough, you can buy your own piece of property, you can start your own business. I'm just reading one in the Hamilton News this week. It's, I mean, the Gazette this week. It's a great article. A man came here how many years ago from another country, works his way up, started his own businesses, and now is successful. He came from 
from a distant place to get here. That is, by the way, the story of most of our grandparents. I don't know about you, but that's my grandparents' story on all sides. They all came here from a place where they had limited opportunities. They worked hard. They managed to provide for their families. Then they did something that now seems to get a really bad rep, and that is they gave their kids an education. They worked hard to get their kids an education. When their children got an education, they were able to get a better social standing and a better position to be able to provide for their family. And they then, they did not break the mold, they built the mold. And that is something that should be elevated and should be promoted. That if you come to this country and you work hard, you can succeed. In fact, you can excel. You can make as much of an impact as you choose. And if you work hard and you work together and you do things honorably and the and there's not too much of the government out to get you. Yes, I had I said that because I believe that the government has made some decisions over this last year that have personally harmed many good honest business owners as a result of their decisions. Do I believe that their decisions were were Best, of course, I don't believe their decisions were all best. Uh, I don't want to head too far down that path, but I want to say this, that if there were better opportunity, not, you know, not counting this year, where the government simply just provided a healthy atmosphere for businesses to survive and to thrive, that businesses will do just that. They'll find that which is the availability of charging what the market will bear to be able to meet the needs of their employees, to be able to satisfy that which is the, the necessary requisite in order to be successful, and they will then be successful. If they are not, if they are doing things improperly or inappropriately, they will not succeed. But more often than not, it's not the success or failure based on hard work or the ethics. It's based on we'll call them forces outside of the natural. Uh, many of those are government influences. Many of those are heavy regulations or oppression, I dare say. But if the government provides just an atmosphere for growth, growth will take place. And if you come into this country, that's what I want us to be known for. I don't want us to be known for if you come here, you can take advantage of the social security system. If you come here, you can take advantage of that, which are the social programs. I don't want that to be what we're known for. I want us to be able to help those who are in need for sure, but I want us to be known as what we were known for, the land of opportunity. And if we take advantage of those opportunities, we can grow and aspire to be president of the United States if you work hard enough for crying out loud. You can be your own boss. Start your own business. You are free to do that. If you listen to any of these people that are trying to get the message out, former, former oppressed socialist, uh, they were people who lived in socialist countries who fled those socialist countries because of the heavy oppression. And they come here to this country, and they are now going on television trying to convince us that heading down the path towards socialism is going to cause us great harm. They thought it would help. 
We're just going to be good socialists. We're just trying to work out for those people who are the oppressed. And then when they found out that all of a sudden in every community that there are now going to be overseers that are going to take responsibility for every person in the community and then decide for every person in the community what they will do in order to be productive for society, that they then chose winners and losers in every city block, in every household, in every family, and no one said it was a good, no one said it was a good thing. They fled these countries. The last one I remember was from Bulgaria. And he said, you don't even know what you're talking about. We couldn't even play music. They didn't, the, my supervisor didn't like the music we were playing, so they shut us down. He didn't like the instrument I was playing, so he said, you can't play that instrument anymore. Play the violin. Really? I don't like guitars. Here's a violin. That's what we, that's what we want in this country? That's the way we're headed? No, we need to take a step back, and we need to—I'm telling you what, what I really believe from my heart is we need to repent. We need to say, Lord God, we have taken advantage of that which has been your liberty and your, your blessing, and we have squandered it, and we have watered it down, and we now have a form of godliness without the power of it. We now believe that we're a godly society. We believe that we're a religious state and country. We believe that we are going to be able to stand before God. But as the song of 1971 said, we do what it is we think we must, and then we expect God to make room for us. But the question remains, and the song is, by the way, put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the waters. And if you want to look it up and Google it, it's a pretty cool song. You know, we need to take a look at ourselves and maybe we treat others differently. When we recognize, you know, the, one of the lines in the song is, Every time I look into the holy book, I want to tremble. When I think about the carpenter who cleansed and cleared the temple. This is... The man of Galilee, Jesus the Christ, came in and he said, I will not have this in my church. I will not have this for my people. I will not have this. And we're saying, I don't know who you think you are, Jesus, but this is the way it's going to be. Religion is going to be like this, like it or not, and you're just because we voted it in and we have the majority. And I'm saying, you are, you're scaring you, not me for me, you're scaring me for you. When you feel you have the audacity to dictate to God what it is that God will say, what it is that God will do, what it is that God feels, when you have the audacity to say, I know that it flies in absolute contrast and contradiction to the Bible, the Word of God, yet I'm going to do it anyway and God's going to have to be okay with it, I'm afraid for you because you do not know that same true and living God. You do not know the God, the creator of the universe. You may know of him. You may know about him. And then people will say to me, how dare you judge me? I'm, like, I, I'm telling you that you need to be judged by the God of the Bible and not by the God of your imagination or the God of your like to think, the God of your mind. How many people have said to me, well, I'd like to think that my God would, or, you know, I imagine God is going to, I don't want a God that you've made up in your mind. I don't want a God that, that you've contemplated or met with a committee and come up with uh, 
those which are the, the attributes of that kind of God. And I certainly don't want a God of your imagination. There is one God, and he will be worshipped. And he says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're all going to bow the knee to him. I bow now. I bow my knee to him, and I say, Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me and heal this land. Lord, please send that which is the Holy Spirit to those who make a mockery of your word, those that make a mockery of prayer, those that defend the mockery of prayer, those that would stand in derision, those that would stand against your truth. Uh, Lord, I I ask you, please break their teeth. Give them no ability to bite. Make that which is coming out of their mouth just empty words so it doesn't cause the great harm and have the impact that it can. Because we live in a day where these people are they're making laws and they're, they're deciding what will be taught to our children and our grandchildren. They're teaching our children and our grandchildren things that are absolutely not true. In elementary school, in kindergarten, first and second grade, they're teaching them things that are absolutely scientifically not true as truth. And it blows my mind that we as parents say, well, you know, at school, what are you going to do? No, we as parents have a responsibility. I'm going to answer for how I teach my children. I do not get to stand before God and say, yeah, they did a lousy job educating my children. No, they don't. What we need to do is we need to, uh, we're going to address a phone call after we get back from the break. So we're going to take our second break, and uh, area code here is 609, phone number 593 609-593-9654. We're going to be back with that which is the answer that we all need, and that's the answer and the hope that this world desperately needs. Looking for a place to hang out with family and friends and have a great time too? Rocco's Townhouse, 21 North 3rd Street, Hamilton, New Jersey, is the place for you. Dave and Steve Ruberton have kept traditions of the townhouse alive and well for more than 35 years. Open daily at 4 p.m., Rocco's Townhouse has a very large selection of micro-brew beers, both on tap and in the bottle. Along with daily dinner specials, you will never walk away hungry. Looking for something different? Rock Bottom Whiskey Bar is the place located downstairs at Rocco's Townhouse. It's open every Friday and Saturday night at 7 p.m. and it doesn't stop there. Live events from some of the greatest local bands in the area make the evening better. Look to have your next event at Rocco's Townhouse and Rock Bottom Whiskey Bar. Rocco's Townhouse, 21 North 3rd Street, Hamilton, New Jersey is the place where everyone is meeting. Don't forget to visit them online at Rocco'sTownhouse.com or give them a call at 609-561-9384. That's 609-561-9384. Everyone meets at Rocco's Townhouse. You're listening to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo on WNJHradio.com. Yep, and here we are with the the first session that we have here in 2021, and I've been talking about those things that have been on my mind. And one of the statements or questions that came up is, you know, in simple terms, what can people do to find peace in this world of uncertainty? And I can tell you that There's no peace in this 
world with our humankind, with our fellow man, unless you've made peace with God. And you can't have peace with God until you know the peace of God. And the peace of God is found in Jesus Christ. There is one answer, and the answer is not found in government. It's not found in voting. It's not found in education. It's not even found in family traditions. It's not found in having spaghetti three days a week and having your grandkids sit on your lap and playing your concertina with them. It is not found there. Those are all joyous and nice things that we can do to pass on those good traditions. But the real question people are asking is, I'm unsettled. Nothing in this world seems to be reliable anymore. Everything that I could count on, I'm not sure of. I don't know if the banks are still going to be there. I don't know if the dollar is still going to be good. Are we still going to have, are we even going to be able to use our fossil fuels any longer? And I mean, that's our economy is now uh, hanging in the balance. What in the world is going on? Do we rely on our military? We can't even go outside because we know that there's risk of a pandemic. And if I get this virus, what then are the potential risks a ventilator and then possible death? And the reality is that in this world, we have terrible trouble. We're told we're going to have trouble. We're told it's going to get difficult. If you've been to church or following with us on Wednesday nights, I've been talking about the life and teaching of Jesus and his ministry. And Jesus brings his ministry to that which is the, the culmination when his disciples say, you know, things around us seem like they are completely unsettled. I did not even realize how unsettled they were until those things that I've relied on now became shaky. And here we are living in the very same type of day and age. Everything around us seems shaky. Everything that we used to be able to rely on is now uh, unreliable at best. There were things we took for granted, and now we can't even take them for granted. We don't even know if it's safe to, to fly in an airplane or to shake a hand. Uh, these are times where we need to have that which is the absolute strong foundation. There are things that are unshakable and immovable. And that is, no matter what my circumstances may be, I have a firm relationship with God the Father. Therefore, I have the peace of God because I have peace with God. There's only one way to know that you have peace with God, and that is he sent his Son because his Son, Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, and the life. My peace I leave with you, not the peace that the world gives. That peace is easily shaken. But I give you a peace that passes understanding. I give you my peace I leave with you. That's Jesus' word. And he said, I'm going to leave you that peace, and that's the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. One of the things that he tells us is, you can know my words are true. Because my words of life are true, my words of death are true, and my words of resurrection are true. Therefore, you can have confidence in what it is that I've said. So that I'm telling you that you are in me, you do not need to be afraid. You have placed your confident hope in Jesus Christ. Do not need to fear that which is the worst thing that we fear, which is death. I'm not saying that we should, we should run haphazardly into risky situations. 
That would be ridiculous. What I'm saying is we need to be careful and good stewards of that which God has given us, and we need to love and respect our neighbor as we ought to demonstrate to them. But should bad things happen to me, should I not survive, have a stroke while I'm sitting here on this radio program, have a heart attack, and the producer have to do CPR on me, that if I were to expire tonight, I know that I would open my eyes in eternity with Jesus Christ. I'm not looking forward to going. I really like life. I love my family. I love my children deeply. I love my grandchildren passionately. I would believe that I would miss them. But I know where I'm going. So I have an absolute confidence. I can walk in that peace. I know that God and I are okay. Not because, well, I'm pretty sure there's room for me in heaven. No, because I know that I've settled the issue. Jesus is my rock. He's my sword and my shield. And whenever I start to feel afraid, whenever I start to get shaken, whenever I start to look around and say, is this really happening? It drives me to two places. It drives me to prayer, and it drives me to the Word of God. And when I get into the Word of God, I find great confidence. I see a man named David who was a wonderful man. He made some bad choices in his life, but he started to look around. And when he looked around, he said, things are so unfair. People who are terrible humans seem to have a good and easy life. People who are doing bad things, it seems like they get away with so much. They're terrible humans. Yet I see good people suffering. I see good people mistreated. There's, there's inequality everywhere. There is oppression at every corner around me. I didn't know where I could look, where I could find even that which he would call justice. He said, and I was on a slippery place. I started to feel like my feet were going to f- slip out from under me, and I was going to fall because I needed to find the answer. Then I went, Psalm 73, then I went to the house of God. And when I went to the house of God and I saw and met God, then I knew I was the one who was on the solid foundation. They were the ones who were on the slippery place. They're the ones who had to be afraid. They're the ones who have no confidence and no hope. They're, sh- they're shouting loudly because they're afraid of their end. They have to shout, nah-uh, 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 because they have no truth to be able to stand on. That I can simply say, I have found the God of peace. I have found peace with God. And now I have the peace that passes understanding. So even in the midst of circumstances where things can be unclear, things can certainly be unsettled, I can look right into the eyes of my Lord Jesus. And here is the day that he demonstrated that to a wonderful woman named Mary. Jesus had gone to the cross at Calvary, and he spent three days in the tomb. And a wonderful woman named Mary had lost hope. She brought spices because she saw Jesus' dead body. She washed his dead body. And then she brought spices and wrapped him in these swaddling clothes. And then she laid him in a tomb. And they pushed a big stone in front of the tomb. And then on Sunday morning, that stone was rolled away. And she thought that someone had taken the Jesus that she loved And had removed his body. 
And Jesus looked at her while she was shaken. And he called her by name. And he said, Mary. Called her by name and settled the entire issue. What was her response? She grabbed a hold of him and she didn't want to let go. Oh, my goodness. What greater peace could there be? And what were Jesus' words to her? You have to let me go. Now go and tell my disciples and Peter what it is that you found. Jesus is the Christ. He's the author and the Prince of Peace. If you know him as your Lord and Savior, go and tell others about it. Go and tell others. They need to hear that word of comfort. They need to hear that word of strength. They need to know that you have confidence. She was strong enough to let go. Now, I'm telling you, when you get to heaven and you meet her, there's probably going to be a line. I'll be in that line because I want to shake her hand. I'm encouraged by that which is her depth of commitment to the true and living God. The depth of commitment that gave her the strength to be able to let go and go and tell others and encourage them. Are we going to be strong enough in our conviction and our faith and deep enough and close enough in our relationship with Jesus Christ where we can say, I can go and tell? And if we are, then we will be those who are the purveyors of peace. And if there's anything this world needs, listen, if you guys are are busy trying to shame others, I, I don't want to bring shame on you. But I want to give you a better purpose. Instead of trying to find the flaws and bring shame to other people, find those people who are doing those things and offer them the answer. Offer them Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus well enough, get to know Jesus better. If you do know Jesus, get to know him better and share him frequently. If you want to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want to know how to be better, you want to know how to be stronger, I encourage you. Attend a good Bible-believing church. If you are not attending a good Bible-believing church, if you are looking for one, Calvary Chapel Hamilton is a good one. We encourage you to come and meet us on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, Monday night, 7 o'clock, Sunday morning, 9 o'clock and 10.30. We're there. Women are there 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock on on Tuesday mornings, 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights. Call the office. Come to the office. We want to meet you and encourage you and strengthen you and help to equip you. Tune in and have your friends tune in even on Tuesday nights at, at 7 o'clock. We want to share and encourage and bring hope to those who are struggling. This world is lacking peace and the uncertainty that is, uh, even over the coming few days, uh, people are afraid. I, I'm not afraid. Because I know the, the one who holds all things together and in whom all things consist, and we can have absolute confidence in him. And now before we wrap up, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we come to you. It is good to be able to call you Father. And as you've commanded us and given us the privilege, we can call you our Father. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today, Lord, our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your phone calls and your 
uh, internet messaging. May God bless you, and uh, we'll see you again next Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Thank you for joining us and listening to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo of Calvary Chapel of Hamilton. Join us next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for The Carpenter's Son on WNJHradio.com. from the Bluebird.